0: Today on the program is Julie Haverstick. She works in Hollywood, California on a really popular show called Homeland. Julie's role is the assistant in the writer's room.
1: Instead of having all of the pieces of the story in one head, it's split up among, like in our room, about eight people. And essentially you can feel the consensus when something when something feels like a good idea.
0: She also talked about what the transition was like moving from the East Coast to the West Coast.
1: People want to bring other people along that are good at what they do and that are fun to be around. Because in this industry, you are living you are living where you work most of the time.
0: This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening.
1: The summer before high school... I went to Arlington Independent Media which was having a filmmaking workshop and afterwards I walked up to Jackie Stevens who was leading the workshop and said hey I I'm very young and I <laughs> I was I guess 14 15 and I said hey I want an internship and she said okay and so the summer before my um, my sorry my freshman year at uh, at Yorktown High School I worked at Arlington Independent Media and was able to learn a whole whole different skill set that you don't necessarily have from doing things on your own. Then I took those lessons and applied them to. Um, I did an independent study in high school of filmmaking, and then yes, I did go off to college and pursue and pursued uh, film, a filmmaking degree.
0: Where did you go, and what was the program like?
1: Started off at Emerson College in Boston, um, and then I transferred to Temple University in Philadelphia. Both programs were excellent. Um, at Emerson College, the first film I worked on was actually a 35 millimeter film. The one shoot that we did, uh, we were late because Mel Gibson had our jib, which is so hilarious. Um, it was a, it was great. Temple University, where, where I transferred, is a much larger program and a very diverse program, and I felt that I was really able to shape my own education there.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine that that I've collaborated with that went to Temple, and you know they force you to to do, make film t- too. They I don't know if yes. they still do, but it, when she went there, even with digital being really prevalent, they still force you to <laughs> to shoot at least one one project on film.
1: Yes. Yes. I took a step further than kind of some of our assignments. We were supposed to shoot a a black and white, no sound film for our final project for this class my sophomore year. And instead, I went up to my professor and said, hey, can I just shoot on this Kodak Vision 3 film and record sound and like just do this like as, as a real thing? And the professor was like, yeah, OK, sure, whatever. And that film actually wound up uh, winning a Rosebud Award. <laughs>
0: cool um i remember in college you know i did a late night you know comedy show at the at the local tv station and i remember one of my friends was really interested in, in you know becoming the next you know conan o'brien for example in in terms of film and wanting to be a director those types of jobs are there's just not a lot of them what's then has been your track to kind of get back to to directing and I know that you've moved out to LA. What was that process of of deciding to move to LA? And and what was your game plan?
1: When I was a sophomore in college, I worked on a small independent film when I was home for the summer. And they dug my work ethic. And so they took me on to project after project after project, which was amazing. I worked on Lincoln. Uh, I worked on an HBO shoot. I got to do all this stuff as a production assistant. So by the time I was graduating from Temple, I had already been in the business for about two years, and I had a pretty substantial resume. Uh, I, I had a job offer to go work at uh, at the show Homeland in set decoration, and so I was the set decoration coordinator for Homeland. I moved down to North Carolina, sight unseen, at Two days after I graduated, uh, and worked worked there for uh, a season, and I didn't really know what the next step was going to be. The writers have an office in Los Angeles where I work now. Production was happening in North Carolina, so I decided we had a mini two week hiatus, and I decided to go out and visit uh, the writers' office in Los Angeles. I wound up getting lost on the Fox lot, and a man in a golf cart noticed I was lost, and pick me up and we got to talking. He was going to take me to where I needed to go, and he happened to be the prop master for Bones. So, uh, and we were hitting it off. I gave him my card, and I told him if he needed, any- needed anything, to let me know. And he let me know. And four months later, I found a hundred dollar one way ticket and moved to LA <laughs> and started working on Bones in the prop department, where I worked for a season and a half. <laughs> then from there, moved over. To to the Homeland Writers' Office, which is where
0: I—it's kind of no fair, right? Because you didn't have to struggle at all. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put it out there because i, I uh, there. I've met with a lot of people that want to know how how do you wind up in a writer's room, or how you wind up getting somewhere in this industry. What I have found with the people who are really successful here is if you. Work your butt off, and are a really pleasant person to be around, you will wind up in the right spot. That that first shoot that I did, you know, one I happened to be in the right place at the right time. So you can never discount that. But people want to bring other people along that are good at what they do and that are fun to be around because in this industry, you are. You are living. You are living where you work most of the time.
0: Yeah, that's an inter- so, interesting point. I've heard that from several other people that work yeah. in the field uh, because you're spending fifteen odd hours a day with with the group, your small gr- crew. Yeah. And it's the last thing you want is to to be in a room with somebody that you know is annoying to you. <laughs> to put Definitely. it to put it frankly.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And I have seen people who might not be the best at their job, or they might be new at their job, but as long as they care and they're good people, you know, they tend to get get asked back.
0: I don't mean to dis, you know, discredit your hard work by saying that you're lucky. And I remember when you were working at with us at AIM, it was it was obvious that you had a really strong work ethic. There it's not just being nice though, is it? It's it's a creative environment and, and in when input is is asked, right, of, of people in the on the crew, they actually do want ideas and they do want somebody to step in and, and be a leader. Um, but then in a the hierarchy there there's the times when you need to know when to not contribute. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's um coming out of college, that is one of the the most difficult lessons to learn is how to not step on people's toes but still be a player. I think as long as you are very aware, beyond being, like you said, beyond being nice, if you are aware of another person wholly, so aware of what their insecurities are, what their wants and endeavors are, and if you're sensitive to that, You'll, I feel like you find yourself in the right spot. So if you are in an environment where you can tell, um, you know, it's important for certain people to be heard more loudly than you, then you can adjust for that. And, and people appreciate that. And I, it seems to me that if you're around long enough and you listen long enough and you play your cards right, people eventually will ask you for your input and genuinely will want it.
0: Can you talk about because you had said that you worked on bones and did uh did some prop work now you're doing you're working in a writer's room for homeland. Can you talk about how you transitioned from that to to working into the writer's room?
1: <laughs> That's a very quick story, homeland it their writer's office is on the same lot as Bones. so and and props handles jewelry at least our props department handles jewelry. so we have a ring sizer, and Ashley, the governor's assistant, uh, was getting married, and she needed her finger sized for a ring, so she just walked down to my office and and I sized her finger, and she mentioned, "Hey, there's a position available in our office. Would you be interested?" And I said, "Sure." So, because she knew, she knew, she knew I knew the lot, and she knew I knew the show, and she kind of knew vaguely like what I was about. Um, so I interviewed to be the writer's PA uh, after uh, another season of Bones, and off I went.
0: Obviously, share what you can, but I think what's really interesting to to me and i've watched some you know somewhat boring documentaries about writers rooms in la and and just kind of the the fascination of of the process and and the the people in the room and you've got to have a really interesting perspective because you're almost a fly on the wall i assume being the the writer's assistant or the writer's room assistant can you, is there anything you can share about the, the process in general and how, how things are kind of constructed?
1: The way our room works is all the writers get in at about 10 o'clock. And very right, I am pretty much a fly on the wall. I I sit in my corner with my laptop and while all of the writers brainstorm. Right now we're brainstorming for season six. And as they kind of shoot ideas around, um, I'll write down what they say. As the season goes on, and they get uh, a little more focused on what what they want for a particular episode or what beats they want to play in a particular episode, those will get solidified and uh, passed off to the writer, who uh, who will build an outline and then the script.
0: And there's there's a lot of I assume a lot of cue cards dr- dry erase boards and and that sort of thing
1: we do we do note cards that's our that's our thing so any any beats that get kind of solidified they first go on note cards on the board
0: from your experience because I assume you've done some writing of your own in college and and maybe even some scripts what's kind of your process for for how you develop a script you know do you follow a three act structure or is it just outline and then then flesh it out. How do you, how do you work normally?
1: What I try to do is I um, I think about the journey that this character should be should be following, and and I do try to break it down into acts. But then I wind up kind of creating strips of scenes that I would love to see this character in, and kind of moments I know this character should should be a part of and I kind of see where um, where those scenes fit, if they fit in the flow of things. Sometimes I'll stop on that, that kind of odd collage outline process and just write a scene and see if things are working. So um, I know there's other people that are a little more, um, they have more of a solid system that they follow. I think I'm a little less organized.
0: <laughs> if anybody is interested in, in getting into script writing, <clears throat> Sid Field would probably be the first book that you need to read that that really outlines kind of the process of how you develop characters. And then there's the three-act structure, which, you know, you, you can, <clears throat> if you learn it really well, you can watch movies or know exactly when act two is hit. But but there are templates like that. And and I know that um, The Matrix is, is a really classic example that gets used a lot. And then also Pee Wee Herman's uh, big adventure when he loses his bike gets used a lot in class because it's just so classic three act structure. And then I talked to some people, you know, about that process, and there's there's also a pushback against that where, you know, there, that when you're doing something that's authentic, it actually comes out from an organic process as opposed to you know this top down where you're fitting things into these specific acts. Do you have any comment on that?
1: Uh, I think rules are made to be broken. I think in the beginning you you should master the, the rules. But if, if your story wants to go beyond constructs, then it should go beyond
0: constructs. That's a good point. And I was listening to this. Uh, his name is Toby Young. He's a British author who writes these kind of st- satirical books or memoirs about himself. He talked about he got commissioned to write a script one time, an adaptation from a book, and he would always write essays and memoirs, so he didn't really have experience with it. And someone gave him an advice that was like if you're adapting from a book, just pick 15 scenes and then move them around in in not in chronological order and then that's your script. <laughs> Which it doesn't seem too scientific, but it's kind of an interesting thing because You know, there's in a book, there's so much narrative that you really have to just scale down. But in terms of your experience with television, you're planning out a whole season that's a large trajectory of story. In terms of what you've witnessed or what you can say about thirty thousand feet of a story, and then how do you drill down to to the details?
1: I think that's one of the most beautiful things about a writer's room is instead of having all of the pieces of the story in one head. It's split up among, like, in our room, about eight people. Um, And everyone is really a bounce board, and people say, you know, no, I don't think that's right, or yes, why don't we go in this direction? And eventually, you can feel the consensus when when something feels like a good idea. The same way just an individual person goes, ah, that sounds great. Let's do that. There's an even stronger consensus in the room because it's multiple people. But it it, it you definitely go through a lot of ideas and a, a lot of uh, a lot of notes.
0: <laughs> we had started the conversation talking about you wanting to get into directing. Now, spending all this time in the writer's room, do you see yourself pursuing a career as a writer, or do you you feel like you want to use this potentially five years down the road to to get back into directing and in the field?
1: So I can imagine in five years, not necessarily doing both, but, you know, exploring several different sides uh, and really kind of taking it as it comes.
0: Well, it's, it's awesome to talk to you and, and it sounds like you're you're having a great time and, you know, learning a lot through the process. So, I wish you a lot of luck.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate
0: it. And thanks for coming on the podcast, too. Absolutely. Media on the Radio is recorded at Arlington Independent Media. For more information, visit arlingtonmedia.org. Please subscribe on iTunes to Media on the Radio where each week it'll send the podcast directly to your phone. You don't have to do anything. It'll just send it right to you. It's so easy. Thanks again for all the love and support of Media on the Radio. We have some great episodes coming up with some really diverse and unique parts of the media field.